Are you ready for God's word? Amen, amen, amen. We've been talking about, uh, I'm going to ask if they would get my time up there, Chuck, or somehow I need to, I need to know at least how I'm doing. Um, we've been talking about winning together, guys, winning together. And winning together is not just about our spouse or that person that we're in relationship with. When it comes to marriage, winning together involves a third person. And it's the person Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Why do I say that? Well, the Bible is very, very clear that marriage is not, listen to me, a contract, it's a covenant. And it's a covenant, it's a spiritual covenant between you, your spouse, and your God. It was God's idea to institute what we call marriage. This is why Christians say, no, 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 no. You cannot redefine it to be between a man and a man or a woman and a woman or anything else. It is what God said in the beginning. In the beginning, it was God's idea. He instituted. He's the creator. He's the one that determines it. Therefore, if you're going to do something else, you've got to call it something else. Not saying you can't, you can do whatever you want, but you can't do it under his covenant blessing of marriage. And so it's a covenant. This is why, listen to me very, very closely. This is why Solomon said we are to have a three-strand cord that is not broken. That third strand that supernaturally gives it strength and unity is God. Is God. And so when we win together, we're not just winning uh, my, me and Melissa, I'm winning with me, Melissa, under the covering of our mighty God. Amen. And so we talked about last week that there is a foolish way to enter into a relationship and there is a wise way to enter into a relationship. I always say wise toward the cross, foolish away from the cross or doing it in my own strength. And so the Bible's very clear if you look in the, in the proverb uh, that the foolish see the warning signs, but don't heed them. The wise see the trouble. Would you put the, the proverb up there? There we go. The wise see the warning sign and they heed it. And they heed it. And this is super important because this is what marriage is all about. Being wise. And how are we wise? We're wise when we build upon God's values, godly wisdom. Jesus put it clearly when he said, when you build upon my principles, my values, my word, then you're building on a solid foundation. You're building on the solid rock, the solid foundation. And when the storms of life come, you will be able to what? Withstand them. Now, it's something interesting because sometimes we think, well, if the storms of life come, but how many of us have lived long enough to, you know, it's not an if, it's a when. The storms of life are coming. And when it blows and it burns and it roars through and it shakes, have you built on something wise? And so last week we talked about building on godly principles and avoiding, listen to me very closely, avoiding those deal breakers. Deal breakers. And we said, if you are a single and you're in a relationship, or you have the tendency of getting into relationships with these deal breakers, run. Change. Stop. Abort. <laughs> right? Have something that takes place that you say, I cannot continue on. 
Now you say, Pastor, but, but what if I'm, I'm the one with the deal breakers? Then you need to change those deal breakers into deal makers, into deal makers. And it's going to take some work, but you can do it. If you want to listen to that message, you can listen online. Today, I want to tell you that he who, he who seeks a wife and finds a good wife finds a good thing. The proverb specifically says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. But if you find a wife, it means you were looking. Because if you weren't looking, then you won't find. The Bible says, he who seeks will find. If you seek, you will find. And so the Bible says some other things about seeking. It says specifically, if you're going to seek, seek him first. In fact, Jesus put it this way, you seek me first, I'll take care of the other. Come on, how many of us are so preoccupied as singles in finding that significant other that we put Jesus on the back burner when he needs to be up front and he'll take care of the rest? Amen? Amen. Come on, what else does the verse say? Watch, and obtains favor from the Lord. Listen, if you're going to have a great marriage, it's not going to happen by accident. It's going to be by divine appointment. It's going to be because God blessed your marriage. And the only way you can have a marriage that's blessed is to build on God's word, trust him, seek him first, and let him provide what no amount of money can provide. Amen? He's the one that's going to take care of it. And so that's so, so important. I can re remember being a young man and asking the Lord specifically for Melissa, asking her, asking for him, and boy, he gave her. He gave her to you. You were a gift from God, babe. You are a gift from God. And so I say this because too many times we go looking for love in all the wrong places. Isn't it true? We go looking for love in too many. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you thought I was going to sing the country song to you, right? But isn't that true? We look for love here and there and this honky-tonk and over in this place and we want to get set up by our friends or we don't want to get set up in this and that. We even come looking for love in church when we should be looking for Jesus. Let him give you the love you deserve when it's time. Amen? Amen? If we spend more time looking at Jesus, it might be more attractive to the person who's also looking at Jesus. Nothing is more attractive to a woman than a man sold out to his God. Nothing is less attractive to a woman than a man desperate and on the prowl. Isn't that true? Who wants a guy on the prowl, desperate, looking for any old thing? No. Be excited. <laughs> Be excited about the things of God. Be faithful. Be a man of integrity. Have these deal makers present in your life, and I guarantee you they're going to, oh man, you're going to have more options than you know what to do with. Then you're really going to need Jesus to help you sort it out. Amen? Ladies, don't settle for any old person. Believe God for it. That's point number one. Believe God for it. Can I ask you, is there any greater decision then who you will marry besides your salvation? No. It's more, it's more important than your major. It's more important than what college you go to, what city you decide to settle in. It's more important than anything because a great marriage will make you and a bad one will break you. That's the absolute truth. So why wouldn't you involve the one that knows it all? Why wouldn't you trust 
the one who has his best in mind for you. I want to remind you of why Jesus came. He said, I came that you might have life and that you might have it in the fullest possible way, that you might live it abundantly. And that involves your marriage. That involves who you will spend the rest of your life with. But listen to me closely. That same verse, Jesus emphasizes the antithesis to his statement. He says, but the enemy comes for one reason, and that is to steal, kill, and destroy your relationships. And if you allow him, he'll do it. And so you need to believe God for more. The Bible is clear on these things. The Bible is clear in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, 9, uh, 10 through 11, that he hates divorce. That means that if God brings you together with somebody, he has the plan to bless that union. Don't give up on him. Believe him for it. Now I'm speaking to my married folks because too many times we get into a relationship. We thought it was going to go great. When it doesn't go exactly as planned, then we give up on it and we say, well, I guess that wasn't God's plan. God says, I don't want divorce. I hate it. I don't like it. I'm able to bless you where you are, but you're going to have to believe me. Come on. You're going to have to believe me for it. And you might say, Pastor, it's too late. I've already, I've already broken up. Then it's all the more important to believe God for better so that you won't repeat the past. Do you hear that? To believe God for better so that you won't repeat the past. Because as humans, we have the tendency to fall into what we're used to. And if you're not careful, you'll fall into the same old pattern you were in Instead, I'm asking you, believe God like you've never believed him before. In your relationship, in your current one now, in your current situation, in your current predicament, God is the answer. Believe that he can do exceedingly and abundantly above and beyond whatever you could hope for, imagine, or dream. Think about this with me for a second. So many times we say, yes, we're going to believe you, God, but we don't believe him with big enough faith. What do I mean by that? I mean, God can do exceedingly and abundantly above and beyond what you could hope for, imagine, or dream. So part of your faith uh, prayer should be, Lord, Help me to expand my vision of what you want to do in my life. Because right now, all I can see is two feet in front of my nose, and it doesn't feel, it doesn't seem right. It looks bleak. It looks dim. It looks foggy. It looks depressing. But God, help me see from your perspective. Give me God-sized faith in my heart that I might believe you for exceedingly an abundant blessing. Amen? Because the enemy has a way of stealing your spiritual sight. He wants you to focus on all the heartache, all the mess, all the struggle, all the dismay that he can create in your life, and before long, it clouds your faith. But God is saying, no, 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 no. You've got to get in my word, and you've got to see that I am for you. And if I be for you, who can be against you? And I've already called marriage blessed. Say that again. I've already called marriage blessed. You don't have to ask God to bless your marriage. It is blessed. Amen. This is something I've been learning. For so long, I used to pray, Lord, be merciful. And then one day the Lord said, I am merciful. You don't have to ask me to be merciful. I am merciful. So then, according to your abundant mercy, I start quoting David, according to your mercy, 
that is everlasting according to your unfailing love. Let it be. Instead of, oh, Lord, will you love me? He already, his, he's already said, I love you. Amen. And he's a God of his word. And so if he says, I bless marriage and I am for marriage, then guess what? He is for your marriage. And you can take that to the bank. You can build on it in faith, but you've got to believe God for it. Marriage is a covenant. It's not a contract. That means God's involved. Number two, build it. This is really interesting. Believe God for it and then build it. What do I mean by that? I mean, once you declare your faith and you live that faith out in the way you walk, in the way you talk, in the way you move, in the way you love, then you start building exactly what God has called you to have. This is super interesting to me because for years I've done couples coaching. I'm more of a coach. And the reason I'm more of a coach is I don't have the patience for a counselor. Some counselors are really, really good, and I applaud you, and I think it's a spiritual gift. I have the spiritual gift of coaching. <laughs> or better yet, I'm a pastor. So therefore, when people come to my office, sometimes they want to share with me all that's transpired in their marriage. And that's going to take hours and hours and hours. Listen, I already pretty much know you violated some of God's word. Because the one thing I've learned is it works if you, come on, say it again. It works if you, you can't come and tell me because God's word says, I will not be mocked. What a man sows, that he will also, so if you reap faithfulness, guess what you'll, re get, guess what you'll, you'll receive. If you sow faithfulness, guess what you'll receive? Faithfulness. If you sow in kind, so I, I identify quickly, okay, where are, we, where are we failing, lining up with God's word, let's start fixing. Now, I get it. Counseling is very, very important. I'm just trying to tell you that that's not me. So it's always a, a big challenge for me when people go in for an hour session and they spend 55 minutes talking and wanting me to listen and I'm like, if this is the way you want to spend your time, not very wise. Because if you knew what you were doing, you wouldn't be here. Isn't that true? If you knew what you were doing, you wouldn't be here. So it'd be better if you would spend five minutes talking and 55 minutes listening. So I'll listen, and in the last five minutes I go, okay, this is what I suggest. And they're like, that's it? Well, that's all like, the time I got. Amen? And so you say, well, how do I build this thing? The way you build it is with God's word, of course, but with a lot of hard work. And I've already said, it works if you work it. You say, but I don't know where to work. That means you've got to get in his word. You've got to start reading Christian books from Christian counselors that have a tremendous blessing on their lives to speak over marriages, and you start working out what you need in order to build what you want to build. This is interesting, going back to when couples come in and they want my advice, and I'll, I'll, they'll say things like, well, things are going horrible. And I said, really? And the guy goes, and the lady says, yep, they're going horrible. I said, well, what's wrong with your marriage, sir? And he goes, I mean, I don't know. You tell them. <laughs> and then she goes, 
Well, I can tell him if you want me to, but I don't know if you really want to hear it. Because I'll go ahead. That's what we're here for, aren't we? And then she goes, okay, hold on. She pulls out from her purse, extra size purse, an extra size legal pad, and it's all filled. And she's just like, where do I start? I said, start anywhere. And she goes, well, and then he says, I told you, she basically, it's all my fault. And they go back and forth this way. And then I ask him this. I said, you've told me what's wrong with your marriage. What's right with it? Because you've gotten so fixated on what's wrong. Where do you want to go with your marriage? And I say something like this. I said, okay, look. And I've had tremendous success with this. I've said, okay, you've told me all that's horrible. Paint for me the picture of the marriage you want. Paint the picture. Because I agree. What you've described, I wouldn't want it either. I wouldn't. But paint for me a picture that is beautiful. And they begin to paint, and they begin to share, and they begin to say this, and they begin, I said, was it ever that way? It was this way during this time. It was this way during that time. And they begin to talk about what their hopes are, but then they keep going back, but it, it'll never work. It'll never, no, no, I'm not talking about what will never work. Tell me about where you want to be. Where do you want to go? And inevitably, they talk about getting closer to the cross, getting, what I mean by closer to the cross, Jesus is love. They talk about love. Jesus appreciates. They talk about appreciation. They talk about, about closeness. They talk about trust. They talk about all the qualities that Christ gives. And so I said, okay, you're painting me this beautiful picture. Why don't you build it? Because if you showed me an architectural drawing of an amazing house, I would ask you, how are you going to build it? One step at a time. And so if you want enduring love, then get in God's word and figure out how you build enduring love. If you need my help, I can help you. If you need somebody else's help, they can help you. But at the end of the day, you've got to build what you want because great marriage doesn't just happen. I'm a living, breathing testimony of this that I've had to learn to build with Pastor Melissa and we couldn't have been more opposite. And we couldn't have been more alike in some areas that are not good to be alike. What do I mean by that? I mean, sometimes both of us are scattered and disorganized when one of us needs to be organized. (laughs) Amen? And sometimes, I mean, and we have had to learn to build what we want. And we talk about it and we write it down and we say, this is the kind of marriage we feel has value. We see it in God's word. Therefore, this is what we're going to build. And we get in there with with our sleeves rolled up and we start working it out. Can I, can, can I get an amen on that? It's not easy. But if you build it, it works. In fact, one of the things that I had to learn was straight from God's word in Philippians chapter 2, verse 14. Read what the, what the amplified version has to say about this. Do all things without what? Grumbling, fault-finding, and complaining. Because I was wondering why my marriage was beginning to be torn down or falling apart. And it's because I was tearing it down. I was grumbling all the time. I was constantly fault finding because Pastor Melissa was different from me. She didn't understand me. I didn't understand her. And so I was constantly grumbling. And you know what? This verse is so true because my grumbling went from her to God. And I'll never forget the day I started to complain to God and started saying, Lord, this wife you gave me, I just can't deal with her. And isn't it interesting how you always think it's 
It's always the other person, never. And she's doing this, and she's doing that, and she's doing this. Lord, Lord, Lord. And, and he wouldn't say anything. Finally, I said, Lord, are you going to speak? And he said, you mean the wife you begged me for? I said, yeah, but I didn't know she would be. And then just then, I mean, you go, how does God speak? He reminds you of things. He reminded me of Adam who said the same thing to him. This wife you gave me. And we tried to blame it on God. And I said, just like Adam was wrong, I guess maybe I might be wrong too. And I started looking at some things. And and here the Bible says, look, instead of grumbling and complaining, look for ways to show yourself blameless, guileless, innocent, and uncontaminated. After all, you're a child of God. You are in a crooked, perverse, wicked generation. But, but don't dismay. You were called to be a child of light, of light. And so therefore, I started getting in God's word and saying, I'm going to build according to the blueprint that I already have, a perfect blueprint. So I started getting in God's word, and I decided, okay, what kind of building blocks do I have in God's word? And one of the big ones was submission. Now, I know for most men, if you ask them what their life verse is, one, at some point, they'll go through a short list of verses, and then they get to this one. Wives, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord right? I mean, you can wake up a guy in the middle of the night and say, Ephesians 5, 22, wives, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. You know, they got that down. But how about 21, guys? Ladies, how about 21? It means mutual submission. What this means is that you've got to learn to accentuate each other and to work together in harmony, not in competition, because you're completing each other, not competing against each other. And when you complete each other, then her strengths are not going to be mine and mine aren't going to be hers. And I know that sounds very, uh, uh, very elementary, but this is huge because in order to submit, that means I've got to know when to follow and she has to know when to follow and I need to learn when to lead and she needs to learn when to lead. What do I mean by that? If you're going to, if you're going to schedule something with me, don't schedule it with me. You're better off scheduling it with Pastor Melissa. She'll lead in that area. Why? Because I will stand you up. <laughs> I mean, the people learn this. People learn. If you're going to hand me something, don't hand it to me. Hand it to... Because I will lose whatever you hand me. I, I, just, I just do. I can barely keep up with my phone. But, and, and so there's times where I've met with couples when sometimes... The one in the marriage that needs to be leading in a ter- particular aspect is the woman. What do I mean by that? If the man is a spender and never has saved a penny in his life, and the woman is a saver, guess who needs to be handling the budget? And sometimes we go, no, but the man's supposed to lead in every area. No, 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 no. The man leads overall under Jesus' leadership, but in mutual submission, you work out who has the best strength in what aspect? Amen? And so here, we're talking about submission. Yes, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. And husbands, love your wives. Think about that. Love your wives as Christ has loved the church. How hard is that? Can I share something with you? That means, guys, we go first. What do I mean, guys, we go first? 
Leadership means you go first. You are the head of your household. You go first. You go, but what if she's wrong? Can I tell you there's always enough blame to go around? And I've learned, I've learned a hard, beautiful lesson about building together from this verse. Love my wife as Christ has loved the church, and we love him because he first loved us. He came to me, and he said, I love you this much. And I want there to be peace between us. And so rather than sitting back and going, well, it's her fault, and she needs to come, and, he, and, and you know what? I'm not going to give in because I'm always the one giving in. I'm tired of being the doormat. I'm not, you can go on and on and on, or you can go and say, love, I've been thinking about it in my heart, and there's some things that God has put on my heart about how I contributed to this situation, and therefore... And someone said, yeah, pastor, you're just going by the old adage, you can be right or you can be happy, but you can't be both. No, that's not the truth. The truth is, the truth is, the truth is you're Jesus Christ in the relationship, therefore love her. He finishes this way. He he says, after he gives all this advice about how to use your building blocks, because these are different building blocks, love is important to your wife, so show her the love that Christ has shown the church. And every time I'm having trouble with this, I feel like the Lord reminds me and he says, are you loving her the way I have loved you? You like me to be patient with you. You like me to be forgiving with you. You like me to be caring with you. You like me to be attentive to you. You like me to be watchful over you. You want me to be protective over you. You want me to provide for you. You want all of these things, but are you doing that for her? And then I go, yes, that's what it means to be in leadership. Amen. What means to be in leadership is you're under Jesus Christ, and when he speaks to you, then you go and love like he loved. But watch what it says at the very end of the passage. It says, go to to the next verse. At the very end of the passage, verse 33, he says, however, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let his wife see that she respects her husband. Notice the two different emphases. Why? Because he's saying you're built different, and if you're going to build together, you're going to operate in your strengths, but you need to remember her, and you're built different from him, therefore you need to remember him and understand the way you're built. And she gives you a huge clue. What's important to your wife is love and affection. What's important to your husband is not so much, oh, love and affection, the way you would love your mama or girlfriend, but respect. That's how you communicate love. Respect. And this is going to be difficult for ladies. Why is it going to be difficult? Because you're built different. Not only that, you have what God pronounced in the garden working against you. God in the garden said, your desire will be for your husband. What does that mean? It won't be that you desire him. You desire his position. And if you're not careful, you'll try to usurp him. What does it mean? It means you'll try to step into his place, take control, and second guess what he in every aspect, meanwhile disrespecting him and creating a fraction. And and, and let me share with you in a very practical, clear way how men and women are so different, yet you have to learn from one another. The the other day, I called uh, Brother Jamie. How many of you know Jamie? Was in first service sitting right over there. He was sitting right over there. And and I called him and I said, Jamie, hey, this is Pastor Chris. He goes, how how are you doing, Pastor? I said, how are you doing, brother? He goes, I'm good. I said, I have a favor for you. It's exactly how the conversation went. I have a favor for you. He says, "Uh, I have a favor to ask of you. He says, ask. I said, I need you to preach for me. He says, when? Told him when? He says, done. I said, thank you, brother. Love you, man. Click. 
She looks over at me. She goes, with her mouth opening, appalled. I'm driving, and I'm looking at her, and she goes, and she goes, that was so rude. And I said, what? You didn't even show you cared. You didn't even ask about his family. You didn't chit-chat with him at all. You're so closed off. You need to apologize to Brother Jamie. The way you, you just hung up on him. You basically said, do a favor for me, click. I said, it didn't go exactly like that, but yeah, pretty close. Why? Because I'm respecting the man. Can I tell you? Sometimes we have a hard time receiving that. Let me show you something. Come on. Come on up here, Steph. Come on up here. Hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. Here, let me show you this. When guys hug, they don't hug like women. When women see each other and they hug, they go, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I can't believe it. Can you imagine two guys doing that? People would be like, yeah. Instead, you see, Jamie and I, we come up, what's up, baby? Point two. You got to break on two, right? If you hold too long, it looks like you're slow dancing. And you don't want that. You got one, two, out. Am I right? Let me get, thank you, thank you. Let me show you another example. If you go out with your guy, with your couples, and the guys are at the table and the women are at the table, it's not uncommon for a woman to stand up and go, I need to go to the restaurant, I need to go to the party. Does anybody else need to go? <laughs> and they all get up and go together, right? Can you imagine guys getting up? Yo, Keith, Manuel. Pat. I'm going to go to the restroom. Y'all want to come? That's just weird. You don't do that. Amen? This is why the Bible says, look, what's important to your man is respect, but what's important to your woman is, is love. You say, Pastor, that's so over. It's just, you're just kind of wetting our beak. That's all I'm, I'm, I can do in 30 minutes. You want more? Read Love and Respect. Beautiful, amazing book called Love and Respect. Read it. If you want more, read His Needs, Her Needs. I've read them all. I suggest you read them. Why? Because if you want to build a great marriage, it's going to, you're going to take, it takes work. It takes understanding. It takes giving your very, very best. Amen? Get in there. Because you are different and you build from different angles. Hang on to it. Fight for it. We're headed towards the home stretch. Now watch what we've talked about. You believe God for it. Then you build it. And now that it's built, you're going to have to fight for it. Just because you build a nice castle, just because you build a nice city, doesn't mean the invaders won't come. And you've already been told he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But you've got everything you need. You have everything within you. The Bible says greater is he who is within you than he who is in the world. You've got what it takes to stay together, to really hang in there. This is why the Bible says this, from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and his mother, be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. 
Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. What is God saying? I am for you, and I don't want anyone separating you. Believe me in it. Build something quality, and then be willing to fight for it. Now, I want to share something with you. Every time you see faith in God's word, and you, you talk about believing and walking in faith, there's going to be opposition to faith. Because the enemy opposes faith. And you say, this is why the Bible says, fight the good fight of faith. It's the next verse. Fight the good fight of faith. You say, pastor, but he wasn't talking about marriage. He was talking about faith in salvation. Faith in salvation is the ultimate faith. But every other faith that's a blessing to your life, according to God's word, falls under this faith. What do I mean by that? You have to believe God in faith for what he says about your marriage, what he says about your family, what he says about you. Whatever it is, whenever you encounter faith, you're going to encounter a fight. And you're going to need to decide right now, divorce is not an... And I don't fight against her, I don't fight against him. We together, arm in arm, we fight the enemy. And the enemy is the one that tries to create distrust, disloyalty, disharmony, tries to create a, a robbing or a lack of affection. No, we want to build affection. We've spent too much time building affection. Therefore, we're going to guard our affection. We don't let things steal from us our time in order that our affection would begin to run down. Therefore, Melissa and I, we fight for our date night. When people say, well, can't you just do it on Thursday? No, I can't just do it on Thursday because Pastor Melissa is more important than you. Isn't that true? Well, you have to fight for it. Can I tell you, if you don't fight for it, you'll never have a date night. If you don't fight for those things that are important in your marriage, the enemy will steal them. And so the Bible says fight so you can stay together. Now, I want to share with you about a certain song, a certain songwriter. There was an American singer. He would go into the studio and he would work very hard every day, but he hadn't had the success he quite wanted and the, the, the pressure was mounting until one day he walked in and his producer, Willie Mitchell, and his drummer, Al Jackson Jr., were testing a melody and some rhythms that caught his attention. As he came closer, they provided him a copy of the rhythm, but they started playing it for him, and, and, and he really, really caught his attention. He left to another part of the studio, and after 15 minutes, came back with the lyrics fully intact, simple, catchy lyrics that were so endearing. They spent eight days refining the song, and really having some contention about how it should be delivered. The singer finally won, even at the opposition of his producer, and he sang it his way. At the end of the, of the track, they looked at him and said, well, we got to be honest with you. That sounds so ordinary. I don't think we have something here. He got angry. He jumped in his vehicle, he screeched out of the parking lot, and he just rode off into the countryside. He tells the story that he was in the countryside just really reflecting and thinking, hey, maybe I should take the constructive criticism. Maybe I should trust those that were put around me to build something beyond just what I can build. And I'm going to have to swallow my pride 
and go back and face those guys and maybe take their suggestions under advisement. So he does, and he comes in, and he begins to sing with a soft whisper, something he didn't felt comfortable with, but he does it anyway. And days later, he had a gold album on his hand, and it went much higher than that. In fact, it was voted as the song of the year in the R&B for 1972. 1972. It spent nine weeks at number one, 16 weeks overall on the Billboard and R&B charts. And up until that point, he had never had a number one album or song until Al Green humbled himself and recorded Let's stay together. I want you to notice, when he sang it, the argument was he didn't like the way it made him sound. He didn't want to sound like this. He wanted to sound manly. But his producer said, you're not singing to men. You're singing to women. And so he had to work on his pride. He had to humble himself, come back in, and sing it from a different point of view. Now I want you to tap into what this song tapped into, because if you look around, you see our young people singing it, and this song is exactly my age. I was born in 72. It hit the charts in 72. 51 years old, and yet it's endured. Why is it endured? It's because of the message. Nobody goes to the altar. Nobody starts a relationship with the idea of let's see it crash and burn. We're never going to make it. Let's break up. That's a great song. Let's break up. What? Everybody wants to stay together. Everybody wants to make it work. But it's going to take you trusting God for it building what he has called you to build, and then hanging on to it, fighting for it. And he goes. A little bit longer, and we'll be done. You say, why'd you use a worldly song? Because even the world understands it. That we're meant to stay together. Happy, or better yet, good or bad, happy or sad. Not just when it's convenient. You fight for it and ultimately you cherish it. There's a verse that really speaks to me, and it's right there in Deuteronomy chapter 24, and it might not be why you think. It says, when a man is newly married, he shall not go out with the army or be liable, liable for any other public duty, but he shall be free at home one year to cement and galvanize 
his love for his wife and his wife for him. It almost seems like remember that love you once had and don't ever forget it. Because we finish today with cherish it. Cherish it. Believe God for it. Build it. Fight for it. But don't forget to make it something beautiful that you cherish, not just a fight. Not just a fight. So this is where we finish. I was, I went to the rodeo this past weekend. Um, the guys that, we were blessed with some tickets, Melissa and I, and Neil McCoy was playing. Neil McCoy is one of our singers because he sang uh, kind of one of our songs. And I won't get into that, but the rodeo finished late and we, were, we decided to spend the night downtown. And so we're downtown on the Riverwalk. Um, just got, got what was available on Priceline and, and I'm there. And I decided that the hotel parking for 50 bucks was too expensive. So I decided I'm not parking at the hotel. I'm going to find the cheapest parking lot. And it was $10, like instead of 50 bucks, $10, but it was several, sev several <laughs> blocks away. Let's just say sev several blocks away. Didn't realize how big those blocks could be. You know what I mean? And it was totally fine when it was the middle of the day, but coming back from the rodeo late at night, and I needed to stop and get water too, and by the time we got out of traffic and we got to the parking lot, Miss Linda, it was literally midnight. And we walk out onto the street, and I'm feeling a little, how do I say this? Concerned. Because the people that were there during the day are no longer there, and there's a whole different group of folks. And Keith, I go, oh, shoot, I don't have my gun. And I'm like, I don't have my, I don't have squat, except some boots and different things that I'm carrying in, and my wife, and I could feel her hand getting a little tighter, like, hurry. So I'm walking as fast as I can, and it's sketchy. I mean, it's sketch bad. I'm, you're like getting a little nervous, and you're looking around like, oh my goodness, what's going to happen? I'm with a beautiful girl, and I'm not the guy I used to be, even though I can be, what, as good as I once was? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> you know, I'm going, what? And, and then we, I get turned around. And so I'm headed in the wrong direction. Then I got to come back through. And the same guys that looked at us funny the first time are looking a whole different way the second time, like, you ain't from around here type of thing. And I'm going, oh, shoot. And my wife has this sensitive nose, and she goes, is that? I said, yeah, that's weed. Let's go. Keep it moving. I said, that's the least of our problems. They're probably doing other stuff, <laughs> too. And so we finally get to the, ho to the hotel, and she, like, just, and I could tell, you know and she goes, Chris Pena, I'm never doing that with you again. <laughs> and immediately I get tense. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, forgive me for trying to save for our future. <laughs> right? Since we almost didn't have a future. <laughs> and I say, I don't want to hear it. And she says, no, 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 you're going to hear this. When I was younger, 
and we were first starting out, we didn't have anything, but I can remember you wouldn't have never walked me through such a circumstance. I said, I don't want to hear you anymore. <laughs> I've had enough of you. You ungrateful, <laughs> you know? The Bible says <laughs> you're looking for verses at this moment, right, to justify yourself. She says, good, because you need to think about it. Oh. Now, it's her idea for us to be quiet. And I was so bothered. Why? You know why? My pride was hurt. But then I remembered some of the building blocks and building tools that I've learned, and the Lord says, no, no, you represent me. How did you represent me? Did you care more about 50 bucks or your wife? Because that's exactly what she's talking about. You didn't cherish her. So I go up to her, and I, and I tap her. She's watching, and I go, <laughs> this is how we do things. I tap her, and I go, I forgive you. <laughs> and that typically works, but not this time. She says, no, I'm not letting you off that easy. It was your fault, and you know it. You say, what'd you say? I'm here, aren't I? <laughs> I'm not going to let you in on my I'm sorry speech. You got to work on your own. I told her I'm sorry and that I would, that she is still to be cherished. And then I'll never do that again because she is priceless to me. And I will treat her as such. Your spouse is priceless. But Lord, even more priceless than that is your love for us, and we thank you. We thank you, Lord. Because even though we've seen good and bad, happy and sad, you've never left us. And it's been your gift of grace that holds us. Thank you for your body that was broken and your blood that was shed. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, I love you. Have a great, great week.